This is why we have the best fans in the world. Direction, your weekly One Direction and Harry Styles podcast. I'm Lucia. And I'm Caitlin. And this is our 231st episode of Talk Direction. Uh, this episode is going to be posted late because we're recording it already after the day <laughs> to be posted. Whoopsies. <laughs> it's Friday, um, but hopefully we don't mess anything up during the recording and I can just do a quick edit and get it out today <laughs> for you. Um, <laughs> but it's been a uh, wild week. Um, how have you been, Caitlin? I have been pretty good. Again, just like getting ready to move, uh, remembering that it's or like realizing that it's happening in just like just over a week, which is weird. It kind of hit me. Um, I have been just like trying to do all the things that I've been putting off. Um, which yeah. is all the bad stuff. So, <laughs> and then I also have to pack. Um, right. So that's where I am right now. And definitely getting nervous about moving to Boston because I'll be in a city and COVID is still rampant and numbers are going up and that's just yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I am excited to move into my place and like make it my own. Um, although it's just not going to happen all at once. Which like I right. like when I when I moved into like places in college or like in London, I just like try to do it as quick as possible, um, yeah. so that it feels like a comfortable space to be. Because as soon as I put things off, then I'll like never do them. Right. Um. But yeah, I just have to accept that it's not going to happen overnight, and it might take a while to like make my place feel like how I want it to be. But that's okay. Um. Yeah. How have you been? I've been okay. Um, uh, it's been a pretty hectic week for me, um, but I'm not going to get into all of that just because uh, it's too much. But I'm fine. Um, <laughs> I've started to have more dramatic, like roller coaster emotions uh, about the pandemic, um, where like some days I just feel like extremely bleak about it. Yeah. Um, like, oh, is this ever gonna? Are we ever gonna be okay? Like, I mean. I heard my dad talking about the immunization potentials and mm -hmm. he reads a lot of scientific like papers and articles and mm -hmm. stuff. And he said that one of the companies that is trying to produce a vaccine um, was saying that it's like a crime against the United States like population that there's this idea that, you know, that people think a vaccine's coming out by the end of this year or early next year, and that that's a mm -hmm. very small chance of that actually happening. And right. we could be looking at a vaccine maybe one year, two years, or never. Um, uh. Apparently only like seven or 13 or, I don't know, some number like that. Vaccines have been approved in the past 30 years. Right. Um, so yeah. I was just like, what? I was really banking on a vaccine before next spring. I know. Like, Oh, I didn't know that. So that was really depressing. Yeah. Well, it's really scary to just think about, like, what if this is our our new normal is, like, we just wear masks forever. Yeah. Ugh. 
you know and like even that's not good enough you know like people no, still wear masks not. and then get it and then die it's just oh it's horrible yeah it is horrible um yeah and i kind of go back and forth between yeah feeling really bleak and then being like whatever <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is our life whatever we'll figure it out the saddest thing is like if people just wore masks for six weeks or something they say like this would be done so quickly but because people refuse to we're all stuck in this situation forever it's really frustrating like our country i mean i don't i don't i haven't followed as closely like the rest of the world but america is just so bad here i just i feel like we're just like a country full of babies yeah like we can't figure it out like it's just getting worse like Mm -hmm. and no one no one can just do the basic task of just like wear a mask and like don't go to a party yeah and it's very frustrating it's very frustrating to live here it's so annoying (laughs) everyone sucks yeah it's pretty bad um because like my roommate uh is from germany and she was talking about how they're talking about like potentially not even needing masks anymore starting in august dang because they're doing so well and like we are just getting worse it's getting worse and worse here yeah um and then you know, Trump is like uh, now not letting hospitals submit uh, numbers to the CDC anymore, um, which feels like it's just so illegal. And yet it's happening, mm-hmm. which is just how so many things uh, in our country are now. Yeah. Like things happen. You're just like this. This can't be legal. Like this. No one is allowing this. But it's like, yeah, everyone's allowing it. It's, it's happening. So <laughs> we just don't have like the power to make it not happen. Nope. Um, so yeah, it's, it's scary times for sure, but, um, yeah, at least we have this One Direction podcast to keep <laughs> our minds busy and our so spirits true. up. <laughs> so true. I wonder so. if there's people that always like skip over the first 10 minutes of this podcast because they don't, don't want to hear the doom. I wouldn't blame them. Yeah. I, I know I've done that before when I've like, well, I've sometimes skipped whole episodes, like if there's bad stuff happening yeah, and like same. my favorite podcast has an episode about it. Sometimes I'm like, not today. I don't want to yep. hear it. <laughs> same. <laughs> Self-care, y'all. Yep. Um, so moving on to more, uh, <laughs> more, I don't know, f- funner uh, <laughs> problems. <laughs> <laughs> One Direction's 10-year anniversary Ooh. is so soon. It is actually less than a week away. So we- uh, next time you hear an episode from us, we st- it still will be before... Well, next time you hear an episode from us, we will have recorded it before the anniversary, but you will be hearing it at or after the anniversary. So this is, like, kind of our last chance to speculate about it. Ooh. You know? <laughs> um. So we're going to talk about that uh, on the episode today. We're also going to talk about Harry's sleep story for Calm. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit of Nile news, some Liam news, and some Louie news. It's an OT4 day. Oh my gosh. Wow. I know. Um, and then for our um, like Black Lives Matter accountability corner section, we're going to talk about Big Mama Thornton today. Um, I got inspired last week when um, Caitlin talked about Sister Rosetta Tharp. Um, I got inspired to talk about Big Mama Thornton. And now maybe this section is now just where we talk about <laughs> female blues musicians, <laughs> which I am down for because yes. 
there's a lot of them and they all have incredible stories. Um, but before we get into all of that, make sure to check out our Patreon. Um, you can find that at patreon.com slash talk direction, where we do talk direction down low, which is a 30 minute episode only on Patreon. And, um, last week we talked about, um, a few things, but mostly we talked about, uh, the let the music play, um, what is it? Campaign initiative. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. Campaign slash petition. Yeah, and just we talked about live venues and seeing live music and kind of the future of that during COVID. But it, but it was not depressing. No. I don't think it was depressing. No. Maybe it was. Okay, I don't think it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then this episode, we're going to talk about this track list of leaked songs that the boys wrote with other artists, which we are uh, presuming is fake. Some of the songs are real and some of them I think are just like completely made up. Um, like there's John Legend on there. <laughs> like some I want to really believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go through that little track list and just talk about which songs are real and which songs are fake and like which ones we want to hear and all that. Which ones we're getting for the reunion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> all of them. They're going to release all of them for the reunion. Yes. Um, so if you're interested in that, check out patreon.com slash talk direction. Um, you can join for as little as $2.50 a month um, to get access to two um, talk direction download episodes a month or $5 a month, in which case you get access to all four TDDLs um, every month. Um, and there's also like a lot of extra content on there as well. Mm-hmm. So the order of this episode is a little bit confused, I think, because this episode is a little bit confused, <laughs> um, but hopefully it'll flow. We're going to start with Niall and Ash. Um, so if you don't know, Ash is a singer-songwriter who has a song called Moral of the Story, um, and she did a remake of it with Niall, where he wrote his own verse um, and sang it. And um, they made a shirt together, first of all. It is a limited release, hand-dyed shirt. It's like a blue and white tie-dye. Um, the front, it says Ash and Niall Horan in like, um, black outlined white letters. And then the back, it says moral of the story. Um, in the end, it's better for me, which is some of the lyrics from the song. Um, and I think they made like a really limited number of these. Um, but it's a really cute shirt. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love the idea. I love tie dye coming back. Like I'm obsessed. I want everything tie dye now. Yeah. (laughs) yeah I love the idea of like collaboration merch um and like t-shirts um Mm -hmm. if I wasn't like really really trying to be careful with money right now I may have purchased it but I did not because I am trying to be careful (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's pretty cute um and then Ash and Niall also did an interview together um on askanythingchat.com which I guess is Maria Lopez's thing um But it was about 10 minutes long and they had like fan um, questions that they read um, and then they answered. They're both in different places. Niles in L.A. I mean, Niles in London and Ashes in L.A. Um, but they had like a split screen um, and it was cute to see them together um, and hear their answers to the questions. Niall had like very fluffy hair and a beard <laughs> in it, um, <laughs> which I was really into. <laughs> now I'm sad I didn't watch this. <laughs> yeah. Well, you still can. Um, and they talked about a few things. Uh, Niall talked about, um, where he's been during quarantine. So I guess he, uh, was in LA and then 
went back to London when they kind of locked down the states. Um, and so he's been in London this whole time, but now he wants to go back to LA, but he said whenever they open the border. So I guess he's like not really allowed to leave yet. Um, and he's talking about like his family is in London. So like for that reason, he doesn't want to leave. Um, and Ash is in Hollywood and her family's not there. Um, and then, uh, one thing that I thought was funny (laughs) is that they, um, one of the questions was, Like, what's one thing that the other has that you wish you had? Um, And Niall said he wished he could wake up really early because apparently Ash, like, wakes up at 6 a.m. Yes, I saw that in another interview or an Instagram live. She said she wakes up, like, sometimes at 4 a.m., like, and just is ready to go. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) What is that about? I mean, jeez. Yeah, but Niall said he wished he could have that uh, talent. Um, and then Ash said she wished she had an Irish accent because it's incredibly hot. And she said it, uh, oh, it would damn. take her from a six to a nine, um, which <laughs> do- totally felt like she was flirting with Niall. <laughs> yes. Honestly, they do seem very flirty with each other. Also, a six to a nine. She's gorgeous. I know. And then Niall said, yeah, it's tough up here at nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Neil. But it was definitely, like, a very, like, awkward, but, like, in a cute way. That's what I was saying um, when I watched the Instagram Live, like, last week. I was like, yeah. it is secondhand embarrassment to watch it the is. two of them talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, because it odd. seems like they both have, like, a little crush. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they talk to each other. <laughs> and I just, yeah, I love that, like, roundabout way of hitting on someone being like, well, I wish I had an Irish accent because it's incredibly hot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh and Niall's reaction was good like, for them live your yeah. dreams kiddos <laughs> meanwhile yeah. they're both older than me so <laughs> um yeah so that is uh that is our Niall news for the week um and then we also have um some little tidbits of Harry info uh Caitlin do you want to Sure. Um, I know last week in the intro, I said we'd be talking about the Emmy nomination things, and then I totally forgot. So I put it in this episode. Um, so Harry's not nominated for an uh, an Emmy, but he's submitted some things for a potential Emmy. So that's like when people submit songs for to like for the opportunity to be like considered for a nomination for like the Grammys or something. Right. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean you'll actually get it. But so anyway, he was submitted for outstanding guest actor in a comedy series um, for both when he hosted the Late Late Show with James Corden. He did a whole episode. That was the one where he interviewed Kendall Jenner, Tracy Ellis Ross, um, and he performed as well. Um And then additionally, he's also being submitted for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series, again, for his stint on SNL um, when he was uh, doing skits, (laughs) like the monologue when he was playing the piano. Um, Mm -hmm. What else did he do? The childbirth class, the airplane passenger pilot situation, the 80s (laughs) love for her dog where Harry was a dog. Um, And he performed two songs. So he's been submitted for both of those. So we'll see what ends up happening. But um, that would be so cool if Harry got an Emmy um, or got nominated for an Emmy. I keep messing up that word. I want to say (laughs) an enemy, enemy, an enemy. 
Um, yeah, I feel like he really did so well in both of these. Um, and I think it was also like widely uh, praised, especially the SNL yeah. one. Um, right. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure a ton of people submit things. So and I don't know who usually gets nominated in these um, categories, but right. it would be pretty cool if he was nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then do we want to talk about the treat TP? Oh, yeah. Video? Um, I always spell that wrong. I spelled TPPK. <laughs> um, yes. Did you put it somewhere? Or no? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> find it. <laughs> um, so the other thing was that there is a rumor going around that Harry has a under 30 minute <laughs> music video <laughs> or documentary or movie that's coming out called Treat People with Kindness because the choreographer who worked with um, One Direction and some of the other boys, I think Niall on some of his music videos uh, posted on his website, like had his like different um sort of jobs he's done listed mm-hmm. under sort of his own website for like promotion about what he's done and Harry's name was listed next to a work of art called treat people with kindness and it was stated as under 30 minutes so everyone's going okay what the hell is that like are we getting a 30 minute music video or does under 30 minutes mean like it's like way under 30 minutes and it's just a regular music video and when is this coming out and why is there choreography <laughs> like what's Harry dancing <laughs> what's going on um so treat people with kindness is potentially a single coming out um we i think thought harry was done with singles but honestly given the fact that the two singles he has out are doing so exceptionally well it would make sense that they would pick another song to do another single for like if you're if your singles are doing well then like if you put another one it's going to automatically get more radio play because stations are going to play an artist's new song um, so that's kind of exciting that there might be a music video coming out. Also with those shots of Harry and Ben Winston together in London, um, I know yeah. we were saying maybe they're doing something for the reunion, but it could also potentially be for his music video because he's worked with Ben Winston for music videos with One Direction in the past and with James Corden show. So right. I don't know. What do you think it is, Lucia? My best guess is that it's, like, a mini documentary for promo of something. Mm -hmm. So, like, maybe Grammy promo or, like, maybe it was supposed to be tour promo. Like, I think it's some kind of, like, documentary, but, like, a mini one to, like, promote something. Yeah, that would also make sense. Because I feel like if they were putting out another single, they wouldn't choose that. Right. Um, Because there's some other ones that, like, would just seem to, like, do better, I would think. Um, so yeah, that's my guess. <laughs> I would hope it was like a mini documentary about the making of his album or something, but yeah, 30, something under 30 like minutes isn't good enough for me. I want something longer. Right. Yeah. But like if they did have it, that would be cool. Or yeah. just like a live version of his album. That would be cool. Mm. Although under 30 minutes again makes me think not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it could definitely be some sort of promo, promo for tour, like a tour promo video right um what if they were going to pick another single what do you think they would pick or should pick because there are two singles that have done well adore you 
and watermelon mm-hmm. sugar have been sort of the poppy didn't falling ones. do really well too um i think it did well but not as well as these ones like oh, it's okay i didn't go up on the charts in the pop radio like literally oh. either adore you or watermelon sugar is now like number two most purchased song right now on right itunes yeah uh-huh. well i think for like um general public like probably canyon moon mm, yeah i feel like um like my favorite song is still cherry i feel like that song could like get really popular but like i don't it's not necessarily like a pop yeah chart self a pop chart song right um and same with like to be so lonely like i think that's a really cool song that could like be really popular but mm-hmm. again i don't know if it's like that pop charts yeah song. Maybe he could do something like Cherry, uh, yeah, Cherry, because, yeah. like, because he has the pull of the other songs. Maybe that one will be played more on radio. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I could see Golden, maybe. Um, yeah, Canyon Moon mm-hmm. definitely would. I feel like that would be another one that would make sense to do. Yeah, because it's fun and like catchy. Yeah, and- it feels like almost like a fun song. <laughs> you know yes f-u-n like it's got that sort of oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. totally yeah 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 well hopefully we'll get to find out soon yeah that was about Um, i'm excited for whatever that (laughs) happens to be yeah (laughs) um so since this is our kind of our last chance to speculate about um the one direction reunion i wanted to read the announcement we got um which I think the fact that this announcement came from Simon Jones PR and not from any of the boys or like One Direction accounts probably says all we need to know. <laughs> <laughs> what is Simon Jones PR? That's like the One Direction PR? Yeah. So Simon Jones is a PR person and he's still in charge of like the One Direction catalog, I guess. Okay. And I think one of the boys still works with him too. I think maybe Niall mm. still uses him. Okay. Um, but he was PR for One Direction and he still is like in charge of one direction pr i guess Mm -hmm. so he put out a statement that said july 23rd marks a very important date for one direction fans globally the 10th anniversary of the band's formation to celebrate the date alongside the fan frenzy there will be a brand new 1d anniversary website a 10-year celebration video especially made for their fans and interactive playlists and activations across digital platforms A special 10 Years of One Direction website will launch on 23rd July that will be an immersive and exciting interactive fan experience. The site will take the form of a timeline charting the history of the group from the first audition right up to the start of their hiatus. It will host an archive of music videos, artwork, TV performances, behind the scenes, and rarely seen content all in one place. Fans will also be able to generate their own shareable mixtape playlists on the site, which will be personalized according to how they've interacted with the site's content and the eras they've spent the most time exploring. It will Mm -hmm. also allow fans to connect to Spotify or Apple Music with the mixtape playlists being saved to their respective accounts. A brand new anniversary celebration video for YouTube will also be released on 23rd July. The video will document highlights of the band's career from forming on the X Factor to releasing their single history, including clips from the music videos, performances, and candid behind-the-scenes video content. And of course, the special relationship they have with their fans. Reformatted EPs will be released across streaming platforms featuring B-sides and rare songs, remixes, live recordings, and acoustic versions of tracks grouped into one place for fans to rediscover. There will also be exciting activations across Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, and other platforms, including creating and updating One Direction playlists 
whilst Amazon's Alexa will be singing happy birthday to the band. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's a lot of random stuff to dissect there. Yeah. So I think, like, the first thing is kind of, like, this seems like none of the boys were involved at all. Like, Mm -hmm. this is just, like, let's put a bunch of content together. Right. And it doesn't really seem like the boys are doing anything. Now, the boys still could be doing something separate from this. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, or this is maybe this is all we have. Um, I think the one thing that I'm excited about because like they didn't say any they didn't say never before seen. Right. So nothing. It doesn't sound like we have, we're getting any new content. Yeah. But the one thing I would be excited about is if we got because it's it talks about um, B sides, rare songs, remixes, live recordings, acoustic versions across streaming platforms. If we could get like some of the some of those on like Spotify or something, that would yeah. be really exciting. Because there are quite a lot of tracks, yeah, that I listen to that I've, like, downloaded that I don't – that I can't listen to on Spotify because they're Mm. not there, so. Right, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, like, maybe – it seems like maybe this video thing might have some behind-the-scenes stuff that maybe we haven't seen. Like, they're pulling from content that, like, they just have. So, potentially, there's some stuff that we haven't seen. Um, I really love the concept of – really rare stuff because it's like who was it was it stephanie who said like what does that mean like if it's out there we've all seen it you know like maybe people who are newer fans or whatever haven't heard certain songs but like imagine getting like a good version of teenage dirtbag like that would be great like yes we've all heard it but a studio version or a whatever a high quality recorded version without hearing audience in it would be great yeah um so like maybe we'll get some versions of things that we haven't heard Mm -hmm. but honestly i have all that type of stuff downloaded as mp3s so right it's kind of mixed in like i know the japanese extended album versions have songs that might not be or weren't originally on like certain music platforms um, yeah. But they're not new, you know, unless you're someone who's not a hardcore fan. Right. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I'm open <laughs> to there being stuff. Also, this like, interactive website. I don't know what that means, but yeah, I'm excited to see what it is. <laughs> I can't imagine it's going to be something groundbreaking that I'm like, oh, my right. gosh. <laughs> but like, at least they're doing something, you know, I think that's really yeah. cool. And like, it seems like they've put a lot of thought into this. Um, yeah, I think it's just hard when you have such like hardcore fans to make something that's going to be new and exciting for people who have seen it all and have dissected everything, you know. Right. Well, especially if the boys themselves aren't like getting together to like work on it. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel like um, the website could be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, like I almost I almost uh, was reminded of like of like Pottermore. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, So, like, that could be fun to, like, if there was, like, an interactive little website Mm -hmm. thing to do with the boys and then, like, getting a generated playlist or something. Like, I don't know. That could be fun. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Um, And then I guess we'll have to wait and see if there's going to be anything else. (laughs) I know. Damn it, James Corden. If you didn't get the boys all together on a Zoom call, <laughs> you've let us down. That's your one job. Yeah, so by the time uh, 
you guys hear us next will will be past the the 23rd or it'll be the 23rd actually when our next episode is released oh cool um we'll have recorded it before the 23rd Mm -hmm. but um but yeah we'll see what happens uh so moving on we have um a very exciting thing that happened which is harry's um calm sleep story story was released uh, this happened all very quickly. Like, we saw the rumors, and then they announced it, and then it was released. Yeah. I feel like. <laughs> yes. Um, so the way that Calm does sleep stories is they actually have, like, a whole kind of team dedicated to them, um, and they're written specifically for Calm. So the story that Harry read is called Dream With Me, and it was written by Calm head writer Steve Cleverly. What a good name for a writer. Yeah. Mr. Cleverly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it was composed by Sanj Sen. Um, and uh, from Stylist Stylist Magazine in the UK, um, we got a little interview with Chris Advinson, who is head of Sleep Stories at Calm. And he said, well, the Harry Styles one is interesting because that came purely from Harry Styles himself. The idea of Harry Styles was very compelling for us. And in fact, we started to get an interest in Harry narrating a sleep story from his fans Uh, long before we were even in conversation with him or anything like that. So in a case like his, it's really driven by someone who's got something special. He's got an incredible voice, he's adored by his fans, he's charming, and he's charismatic. He has a very distinctive voice that a lot of people know and love, so it's sort of like he's built something around... Oh, so it's sort of like, let's build something around that. And in his case, we took the approach of creating a sort of musical epic poem. He doesn't sing, it's spoken with poetry, but there's a sort of musical sound bed to it and it's pulling on things and themes that harry's fans really adore about him and associate with him so his story was driven really by him we really created a concept around him that's so Um, cool i know it is really cool yeah and it's cool that they were inspired to get harry because fans were already like (laughs) talking about it wanting it to happen i know Um, And then we have a quote from Harry himself from The Hollywood Reporter that I could not figure out where this quote came from, but it's apparently a statement from Harry. Do you want to read that here? Um, Yes. Sleep and meditation are a huge part of my routine, whether I'm at home, in the studio, or out on the road, out on the road. Rest and recovery is as important as doing the work. Finding a balance has been endlessly beneficial to both my physical and mental health. It's changed my life. I'm so happy to be collaborating with Calm at a time when the world needs all the healing it can get. Treat people with kindness. Nice. I feel like you can really see that about Harry, that like he takes Mm -hmm. like balancing rest and recovery with work uh, really seriously because I feel like we talk about him a lot as being someone who like kind of like has it figured out and like he seems to be like a pretty mentally like healthy yes person and like this is probably a good a good uh reason why is that he like you know takes rest seriously and like yeah and i feel like he's talked about like journaling and meditating before so it does make sense yeah so here's the big question have you fallen asleep with dream with me I have somewhat fallen asleep, so I decided to listen to it in the bath. So oh, nice. I, yeah. Also dangerous if it's I know, supposed to right? make you go to sleep. 
so I was like okay I won't fully fall asleep so I like definitely drifted in and out at parts and would be like whoa I was like sort of asleep there like and then I come back to myself you know how that is like when you're on the edge yes um, so that's when I listened to it I haven't listened to it I listened to it a bit again in bed um a couple mm-hmm. nights after um but my sister was there and she said it was getting too existential for her so (laughs) we had to stop it um but no yeah I thought it was really good and it was really calming and the music was it definitely like put you to sleep and like especially the gaps between him talking and the music Mm -hmm. and then him talking again I'd be like oh the music's going for a really long time and then like Harry would come (laughs) back again I'd be like oh my gosh I remember he's talking again yeah Um, yeah when did you listen to it? Um, so I listened to it like while I was fully awake and like doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like try to have a, a relaxing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like so I realized or I remembered why I didn't like the calm sleep stories. And it's because of the music. Oh, um, really? Oh, I yes. love the music. I don't dislike the music, but I don't like it to fall asleep. Right. Um, the headspace stories that I listen to do not have music. So it's just sound effects. Um, okay. So there's like a rainy day one where it's just like the sound of rain on a roof and, you know, someone talking. And then there's like a sandy cove, which is like the sounds of a beach. There's like a lagoon. And those I find I can go to sleep to mm-hmm. with the sound effects. There's something about music that it's too much of a mood. Mm. Like the music gives makes me feel like in a certain mood or like makes me feel certain emotions which I really don't like when I'm sleeping Mm -hmm. going to sleep because I feel like a lot of times like that's where I'll get sad (laughs) when I'm going to sleep and this music in particular did kind of give that to me I felt a little bit sad and like there was just I was like I don't want to go to sleep to this music Mm -hmm. I would love to go to sleep to this story but I wish that there was like an option of hearing it without music right just the sound effects um because, yeah, there's something about, like, lo- like traditional kind of lullabies that are really sad for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's because of, like, sad experiences I've, I've had in my life that I now, like, associate them with or what. But I, like, yeah, don't – would, like, not want to go to sleep listening to, mm-hmm. like, lullaby-esque music. Because it would just kind of make me sad. And then mm-hmm. I feel like my dreams might be sad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, like, this, the pure sound effect ones yeah. just take me to, like, a magical place. And yeah, just, that like, makes sense. Yeah. So I realized why cuz I had downloaded like the free version and I didn't use it and I couldn't mm-hmm. I didn't I think last time we talked I couldn't remember why yeah. I didn't use it. But then I remembered why. Yeah. <laughs> um but I did like Harry's reading a lot and I think I will probably listen to this like when I want to like maybe take a nap mm-hmm. or like have like a calm take a bath. moment. Yes, something like that. Yeah. I did see a lot of jokes on Twitter about um, what part of this is supposed to calm me with, like, <laughs> like Harry um, reading the lyrics, like, gravity caresses us and pulls you close to me. Um, <laughs> like they some really, of it like, is... took the, the fan fiction theme yes. where, like, you do, like, the you type thing. Yes. Where, you know, it's like the insert yourself fan fiction. <laughs> I feel like they must have done that on purpose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I saw a lot of people talking about the lines that seem like he's he's like flirting with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And being like, in what world is this supposed to make me feel calm? <laughs> Doesn't he say like, I love you at one point or something? I think so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I always, uh, what was like also keeping me not falling asleep 
when I was in the bath was I was trying to guess what the rhyme would be some of the time because oh. I was like I know it's all gonna rhyme so I was like trying right. to guess the rhyme and then I'd be like no I came up with a different one that would all also fit yeah um, but maybe I'm just weird like that but <laughs> I liked I liked all the rhymes that happened yeah it was pretty great mm-hmm. um yeah I again I wish there was a way to get it without the music in the background mm-hmm. um and then I also just wish that we would he would do more of these. Like I wish it wasn't like a feature for Calm, but rather like his yeah. own company or his own business where yes. it's just Harry Styles reading sleep stories. <laughs> and some that are also like more story esque rather than just sort of yes. um, poetry. Because I liked it, but I also would like something that had a bit more of a story to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um who who of the boys would you want to see do one of these next? maybe louie i feel like he's got a good rasp to his voice that would sound good i was good. gonna say that too yeah. yeah i'm thinking like niall just i don't know if he'd have the right tone <laughs> <laughs> no i feel like niall could do one okay <laughs> <laughs> but i think louie would might be my first choice yeah me too me too um when do you think you'll listen to this again um maybe i'll try listening to it when i go to sleep It'll probably, mm-hmm. that would probably be it. Maybe if I'm like, having trouble going to sleep, I might listen to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, nice. listening in the bath was nice, but I yeah. probably would choose something else next time. I mean, it's a long, right. it's long too. Like, yeah. Keeps going. So it'd be good to listen to at night because it really gives you a long time to fall asleep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, we'd love to know what you guys thought, listeners, if you have listened to this to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Has it helped you go to sleep? Um, or if anyone has, like, babies, could you play this for <gasps> oh, your baby yes. to go to sleep? Oh, my gosh. I think people have. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how that works. Well, moving on, um, we are going to talk next about Liam, who put on an event that actually just ended, like, literally an hour ago. Um, (laughs) that's already (laughs) happened, but, um, he did something called the LP show, um, on July 8th, he tweeted, I've been working on something for a while now, and I'm so excited to announce act one of the LP show broadcasting in real time on Friday, 17th July. It's a new approach to a live streamed show that'll be up close and personal. Like you've never seen before exclusively on veeps Spotify presale goes out tomorrow and tickets go on general sale on Friday, July 10th at 8 p.m. Tickets will be available on a pay-what-you-want basis starting at $10, and a portion of the ticket proceeds will go towards hunger and poverty through a donation to the Trussell Trust exclusive. The LP Show merch is included in select packages, all listed on the site so you can choose the one that's best for you. To produce the show, I'm working with currently out-of-use venues, a full band, as well as professional sound and lighting engineers currently out of work due to COVID-19, and I can't wait to bring you the first in this series of live broadcasts. Um... So I just, when I saw this, I thought it was just the coolest thing because, like, not only is he bringing work to people who, like, have, can't work right now, um, Mm -hmm. and, like, using venues that, like, can't be used, um, he's also, like, donating addition, you know, donating uh, some of the money to the Trussell Trust. Um, So all around, just, like, a really cool thing. Um, Yeah, so cool. He's really stepping up and, like yeah doing this makes a difference to like the people you're hiring and yes he really is and stuff like yeah and it just it's a it's about also like 
showing other people like what you care about and making them care about it as well yes for sure um he made a brief youtube video where he talked about the show um he said that the fan response to his vlogs actually gave him the idea um because he was doing those weekly vlogs and i guess um the fans kind of ideas about what he could do next gave him the idea to do this which is really cool um Mm -hmm. And then he said it was a different and much more interactive experience of him him being able to interact um, with us while he's doing the show, um, and that he might do more depending on how it goes. So, um, like I said, this actually just aired. I only caught the tail end of it because I had um, like uh, client calls when it was starting. Unfortunately, I'm hoping that I'll be able to rewatch it though because I did pay for it. Um, mm-hmm. But I just caught the tail end where he was chatting with some fans. Um, it looked like it was like a Zoom call with maybe. Um, like uh like 15 fans there was like a bunch of little windows um and he was like chatting with them and like answering questions um so next week we'll talk more about this um obviously caitlin hasn't seen it at all and i only saw the very end um and we haven't gotten like uh fan reaction why do you say obviously caitlin hasn't seen it i didn't tell you you i haven't seen it because you didn't say like oh i watched it today (laughs) (laughs) i feel like Um. if you had seen it you would have been like oh i watched it (laughs) Mm-hmm. yeah no I didn't see it okay <laughs> and I didn't buy a ticket so okay. I don't know if I will be able to see it but yeah well we'll talk about it next week regardless um more we'll talk about it more next week um but I think it went it, it seemed like it went really well um and I'm excited to kind of hopefully be able to rewatch it um and mm-hmm. I hopefully he does more of these because I just think it's such a cool idea um, and the website he did it through, um, or the company he did it through, Veeps, um, also looks that looks like they're pairing up with Brandy Carlisle. Um, and so I'm going to investigate that as well and see what they're doing with her. Cool. Um, but yeah, this is the kind of stuff that people need to be doing right now um, and yeah. probably going forward for a while so that like venues and, you know, professional musicians and lighting engineers can all stay um, working so that when we're allowed to go back you know, however long it takes that, you know, mm-hmm. we can go back. Um, and this might be the way that we see shows for a while. Yeah, know? honestly, they might have to reschedule all the shows next year again. So yeah, I'm sure they will. And we'll get to that when we talk about Louis next. Um, yeah, which I guess we can just get into right now. Yeah. Um, so we got some pretty, I think pretty big Louis news this week. Um, well, first of all, the lesser news is that he re- finally rescheduled his tour. I guess we can t- chat about that first. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had already scheduled his uh, world tour dates. No, he had already scheduled his, his Europe dates, I think, um, to February. But he hadn't rescheduled his U.S. dates yet. So he just rescheduled those. Um, and funnily enough, Portland, where I live, is one of the three. Oh, and your show. Yep. <laughs> 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 so I'll read this statement. All tickets for the world tour, tour will remain valid for the new schedule, rescheduled dates unless specified below. New York City, Salt Lake City, and Portland ticket holders. The rooftop bar at Pier 17 in NYC, Sandy Auditorium in Salt Lake City, and Keller Auditorium in Portland shows are no longer happening. All tickets for these shows will automatically be refunded. Now, new shows have been added at Hammerstein Ballroom in NYC. The Union Event Center, Salt Lake City, and Crystal Ballroom in Portland. Please visit the website for on-sale information. Um, so for me and Caitlin, uh, we'll have to buy totally new tickets, which is annoying. Yep. <laughs> um, but I'm Very kind of annoying. excited because the Crystal Ballroom in Portland is a much 
cooler venue and it's a beautiful mm. venue no mine's definitely not cooler yeah <laughs> mine oh, was gonna yeah, be on a freaking rooftop Ugh, <laughs> plus sucks. i got into that little vip area randomly oh, i gotta take it into like the vip oh, front no. area oh. so i'm sad and i think the yeah. rescheduled one for new york is in the middle of the week sometime so now i'm gonna have to try to get tickets to the boston yeah. one and that oh, one's no. not being rescheduled so it's already sold out or whatever so oh, i don't no. really know what i'm gonna do <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna have to go like stub hubbing it or something yeah well there's so much unknown like the the portland um reschedule date is may 5th and like i don't know i'm pretty skeptical that we'll be able to go to shows as early yeah. as may i think Honestly. summer i think like you know like june july is like the earliest next year is the earliest i see mm-hmm. thank god harry's is like way later in the year i know us. yeah that's good but yeah like the february shows in like um europe i just i can't imagine those are gonna be able to happen yeah so they, i don't know it's what a disaster for people trying to schedule these things <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but i mean at least we have we have like an announcement um and yeah bummer that we Mm -hmm. that you can't go to your rooftop venue anymore though yeah I know I'm very sad about that I'll just have to look for other people going to that venue because I've never been there I have been to the Hammerstein ballroom I think I saw Ed Sheeran there a while and it's all floor seating yeah Um, yeah I don't I don't know I think it was good when I went but it's nothing like really really cool so right yeah Yeah, Um, and then the more dramatic news is that Louis announced that him and Psycho Music have parted ways. Um, So he tweeted on July 11th. He said, hope everyone is doing okay. Just wanted to let you know that Psycho Music and I have agreed to part ways. I'm really excited for the future and to be back in the studio writing the next album. Can't wait to finally see all of you on tour. Stay safe and see you soon, Louis. Now, when we first heard this, it was very confusing. Mm-hmm. because we didn't know a lot about what was going on we know a little bit more now but there's still a lot uh that we don't know um one of the interesting things i found is that a lot of people um who are his friends were congratulating him so helene horliak Hor- Hor- oh, horliak i think um the vocal coach uh responded um oh my god i can't think of anyone's names right now the drummer from 1d sandy or was he a no. guitarist <laughs> no yeah um oh my gosh why can't i think of his name i follow him on twitter and i see him all the time <laughs> i don't know the drummer i know from i follow 1D. them all still on twitter i know sandy <laughs> is one of them but um i'll look i'll look up sandy and see it sandy beals was bass has he tagged his friend any time josh devine <laughs> there you go <laughs> he replied and then just a couple other people who are like big big names who are also friends with louis were like whoa congratulations this is great so like it seemed like people were excited for him that he was leaving psycho um so you know maybe it wasn't like a bad thing because like obviously when this got announced there was a lot of speculation like does this mean like the label dropped him like Mm -hmm. psycho dropped him or does this mean like he left on his own like did he sign to another label like what is going on um but we've gotten some more information over the last week um firstly that simon cowell who was in charge of psycho music actually left psycho music and completely took over psycho entertainment 
Um, so both Psycho Music and Psycho Entertainment are under the Sony um, brand. Sony is the parent company. Um, Psycho Music was like under Sony and then Psycho Entertainment was also under Sony. And Simon was part of both, but he has now left Psycho Music completely and taken over completely Psycho Entertainment. So like he owns Psycho Entertainment. And that is covering The X Factor, um, Britain's Got Talent, all the TV shows. Um, so now Simon has complete control over those TV shows, um, and he's given up all of the music stuff. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Because his thing is yes. music, I thought. Well, I think he's much more about the, sh- the shows, like uh, The X okay. Factor and Britain's right. Got. Like, I think he's much more about the shows. And maybe yeah. they're making, the shows are making more money now. Like, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so... Psycho Music um, is really a brand that is known for um, the TV show artists. So when you go through the X Factor, you're automatically signed to Psycho Music. Um, So a lot of big names have gone through Psycho, but it's not really a prestigious label. Um, And actually, it has like a lot of kind of not controversy, but like a lot of people kind of view it as like not actually a great label because it's really just like for, you know, generating the kind of the TV show artists Mm -hmm. um little mix was on psycho music for a while and they left um and one direction was under was under psycho music as well um but it's really like i think if you want to like grow as an artist like psycho music isn't really the best place to be um because it's really known Mm -hmm. as like the tv show music label right (laughs) it would make sense to change to a label that's like all about music yes exactly um and then uh so so sony still has like the rights to the one direction catalog um -hmm. what's confusing to me is so louis signed with arista arista records um like a year and a half ago and he actually did really Mm -hmm. well with them like for their label his album like got pretty high numbers for them um and and that's in the u.s arista in the u.s yeah Okay. And so he, and then he also has 78 Productions, which like his, is his own company. And so what's confusing is like, is he still with Arista? How is that affected? Is he signing with a new label? What's happening with 78 Productions? Like who has the rights to his songs? Who has the rights to Walls? Like it's very complicated. <laughs> yeah. I wish we knew. Cause I remember there was the whole thing with Taylor Swift. I mean, it still mm-hmm. is that other people own her music. So yeah. I want to know how each of the boys signed their contracts and what right. music they own. Obviously, they don't seem to own One Direction's catalog. They don't. Um, but, like, is Walls, does Louis own the masters to that or no? Right. Exactly. I'm hoping that he, when he created 78 Productions, he did that specifically so that he could own his masters. And then mm-hmm. also, I think Arista Records had some kind of programmer, like, they were, like, encouraging that to happen. I think I read that somewhere. Okay. Um, but like my kind of theory is that Louis is really smart, um, like a really smart business person. And he's obviously been closely connected with Simon for a long time. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of speculation that Psycho Music is actually going to completely dissolve. Um, and so my kind of theory is that perhaps, um, Simon knew that he was going to leave Psycho Music and that it wasn't doing well. And perhaps he gave Louis a heads up and then perhaps Mm -hmm. Louis left early, um, because if he hadn't left before Simon left, what could have happened is that he could have been shuffled to another label 
under Sony that he maybe wouldn't have wanted to be shuffled mm-hmm. to. And so by leaving first, he like, you know, took the power to decide what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But that's just a theory. There is so much hidden in the music industry. Like no one gets to see contracts. Like no one gets to see what deals look like. There's so much secrecy and like hidden stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So like so much of what we can say about it is just an educated guess. Yeah. He seems um, happy that like he's excited for Yes. You know, another album. I love how he says like the next starting writing the next album. I was like, your first album took like five years. I know. <laughs> Whatever. Like don't let's all not like get hyped up oh my gosh he's got another album coming out soon like I don't think so right well that's what makes you wonder you know does this mean that he doesn't have the rights to walls and so he's looking Mm. at writing another album that he has the rights to or was he just saying that for like talking about the future yeah I don't know it's odd too because the way that he's kind of handled walls and like part of this might be the way that things happened with touring um but it does seem like he kind of let it die. Mm. Not let it die because I don't think it's died. But mm-hmm. like he let his he let the excitement die. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Also with be- quarantine, like yes. that's pretty difficult. It was like it was released at the end of January right. and quarantine hit like a month later. Yeah. I'm sure that's a big part of why. I mean, he had this whole tour planned. I think he did one show in Madrid and then mm-hmm. quarantine happened and he had to cancel the rest. And I think he probably is an artist that was planning to do like you know, his tour was probably going to be a big part of his album. Because mm-hmm. um, I think, like, not a lot of the songs, like, made it onto, like, radio or, like, top numbers. So, like, mm-hmm. probably he was looking forward to tour as being a pretty important part of yeah. the album And it seemed cycle. like a lot of his shows were sold out. So that's, like, he was going to yeah. really show what type of power he has as an artist, sort of as a fandom artist rather than, like, a radio artist, you know? Right yeah so you do have to wonder if like because all of that momentum died if now he's like well I just need to write a new album now um because Niall kind of had that same attitude a little bit where because of quarantine like he was he's like now kind of talking about writing the next album yeah um it's kind of odd Harry was lucky to get his album in he really was earlier than any of the other boys yeah I honestly feel so bad for Niall and Louie because they Mm -hmm. just had the worst timing yeah um Niall especially because his album didn't even come out until we were in quarantine but yeah but yeah it's a bummer for them but it seems like this is a good whatever is happening behind the scenes that we don't know it seems like it's good Mm -hmm. for Louie yeah so we'll just have to see what happens Mm -hmm. um Anything else about any of that before we move on? No, but can I pee again? Yes. Thanks.
I'm back. Hello. Okay. <clears throat> you ready to resume? Yes. Okay. Okay. So now um, we have come to our um, this segment that we've been doing um, during each podcast where. Um, we talk about um, – we started talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, um, and uh, this segment will kind of probably evolve as we go. Um, and we wanted to kind of be a balance of, like, talking about important stuff that's happening right now, um, but also, like, talking about some history as well, because I think it's really important – and it's a really important part of understanding where we're at today to understand, like, history mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, why, like, why and how we got to the point we're at now. Um, and it's also nice, too, because, like, while it's super important to, like, be talking about the tragedies that are happening, and it's, like, super important not to ignore those and, like, keep those things current, um, it's also nice to, like, have a little bit of a mix of, like, you know, sometimes not talking about horrible tragedies. Um, so that's why we kind of have been mixing in these, like, history things in as well. Not that there's not tragedy in them as well, um, but... Uh, last week, Caitlin talked about Sister Rosetta Tharp, um, who is known as the godmother of rock music, um, and was a queer black woman who, like, played electric guitar, um, and when we were talking about her, I was reminded of um, Big Mama Thornton, who is a blues um, artist, and um, kind of has a similar story, um, and so I wanted to talk about her today. Um, I have a lot of stuff here (laughs) so this might be a little bit long of a segment but we'd love to know your guys's thoughts on on this segment um like if you uh think we should add things to it or change it like definitely let us know um but uh yeah so I'm just gonna get into it so um Big Mama Thornton um her name her full name is Willie Mae Thornton and Big Mama is her nickname um, she was born in 1926 and um, died July 25th, 1984. Um, and there's a lot of speculation about her sexuality. Um, she was basically, like, pr- um, presumed to be a lesbian, but there's just not a lot we know. Um, so I have a couple of, like, quotes about that. Um, this is from a um, article on timeline.com and everything I talk about is linked in our Google doc, which you can, um, access if you're on our Patreon. Um, despite her gendered nickname, Thornton was thoroughly gender transgressive. Once her career was more established, she usually performed wearing men's clothes, work shirts, slacks, and straw fedoras. Rumors flew that she was a lesbian, but her best friend said without judgment that he'd never got a handle on her sexuality, having seen her with neither men nor women. Um, and then there's this article um, that I would really recommend you read. Um, the article is titled Bull Dykers and Lady Lovers, The Rumors About Lesbian Blue Singers Were All True. Um, and um, from that article, um, scant information exists regarding Thornton's relationships, though she is widely assumed to have enjoyed lesbian affairs. As she was a presumed lesbian who often dressed as a man on stage, it's weird that the gay and lesbian community hasn't acclaimed her as a pi- pioneering heroine, which I strongly agree with. Um, and then she wore traditionally masculine clothing, led her male musicians with an iron fist, and sang about sex in an era when even men, and certainly black men, had to be cautious. Um... And Big Mama Thornton was the first person to record Hound Dog, which is Elvis Presley's song. 
Um, and if you have heard her music, you've probably heard either Hound Dog or Ball and Chain, um, which was later recorded by Janis Joplin. Um, but both of those songs were originally um, Big Mama Thornton's. Um, so Hound Dog was the song that um, basically made Elvis Presley famous. It was like his signature song. Um, and he has an estimated lifetime earning of $4.3 billion. <laughs> Elvis does. Um, wow. Yeah. Now, uh, can you guess how much Willie Mae Thornton, who first recorded Hound Dog in 1952, um, got for her song? How much? $500. Wow. Her only so earnings bad. from the song. Um, which is just, it's not shocking, but it's also shocking. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there's an article called The Thinning of Big Mama by Cynthia Shearer, which I would also strongly recommend you read. Um, and a lot of the quotes that I'm going to read throughout the rest of this are from that article. Um, so this is about the song Hound Dog. Hound Dog was her 1953 hit that a pair of 19-year-old white Jewish boys named Lieber and Stoller wrote especially for her. The song was love and lateral theft. They were looking to come up with a raunchy song for her rough style, reminiscent of the street-level bite coming out of Los Angeles barrios in songs like Chinito Chinito. Hound Dog was the first moneymaker for Houston's Peacock Records, the first independent black rhythm and blues recording outfit. Hound Dog was later sucked into the rockabilly turbines of the Elvis star-making machinery when Presley began his meteoric ascent into what would prove to be decades of American enchantment with Byronic burnouts in possession of guitars. (laughs) Afterward, she sometimes blurred the story enough to imply that she had been robbed of royalties or authorial credit for the song when others recorded it. Consider her testimony about Hound Dog to a writer from Women's Wear Daily in 1971, two days before she appeared on The Dick Cavett Show. I first saw some lines on a paper bag, and I threw in a few hollers to make it go. I wish now I hadn't. Everybody else got paid, but I didn't get mine. Sometimes I've gotten $50 for a whole week, singing, trying to make it. Sometimes you get the $50, sometimes you didn't. The man would run off with it. Now you got to go and fuss with your landlord. You'll pay him next week. Maybe I'll catch the man. They take in everything but my voice. Um, Hound Dog even inspired a great short story by Alice Walker, 1955, in which Walker muses over what, what, what might have been if we inhabited a just world. In the Walker story, the black singer who resembles Willie Mae Thornton gets the gift of a car from the white singer who takes possession of her song and is treated respectfully by him. She even acquires property and has a durable relationship with a good man. In the life we do inhabit, Big Mama, th- Big Mama brought, bought her own car and appears neither to have owned property nor married. You already know the blues, how the blues life goes. She died of a heart attack, almost penniless, at the age of 57 and was buried at Inglewood Park Cemetery in Los Angeles County, sharing a small headstone with two strangers among the poor. Presley never acknowledged any debt to Big Mama for his knockoff of Hound Dog, and she would recount an occasion when he declined to perform with her, likely out of consideration for his white Southern fan base. So that just makes me really sad. Yeah, it's so sad. Yeah. Because it's one thing to, like, know that this stuff happens and be like, you know, oh, yeah, he he covered the song, but, like, his got popular, and, like, maybe he really, you know, took inspiration from her. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, like, you read this and um, her talking about, like, um, that he didn't even want to perform with her. Mm -hmm. Um, So his white, white fans would be happy. Yeah. Um, and just that he never acknowledged any debt to her. Yeah. 
That's so bad. And especially because, like, it would be no sweat off his back to yeah. pay her. Right. Like, yeah. He's that rich. Yeah. And it's not just a song that was written for anyone and she happened to record it first. It was written for her. Like, mm-hmm. it was written for her with her specifically in mind. Right. Um. So, yeah. Um. It was pretty frustrating. Yeah. Um. All right, so I'm going to read just a little bit about her in general. Um, do you want to read some of this? <laughs> sure. Where do you want okay. me to start? You can just read this paragraph, and then I can read the next. Okay. If you want to see Big Mama Thornton singing the blues in her prime, look up her performance of Ball and Chain with Buddy Guy and his band, filmed at Boston Public Television Station WBGH's studio in 1970 when she was 44. The occasion was a music show called Mixed Bag. Thornton is a mellow mountain of a woman, almost six feet tall and topping 200 pounds. She dwarfs the men in the band but they seem to respect her for her size, her dignity, her burden. As she sings, they keep a soulful Southern church cadence with their feet side to side. Her voice was beautiful, but not pretty. Um, I'll read the next bit. She is regal and dignified in the sturdy blue pinstriped suit of indeterminate gender that appears tailored just for her. With a paisley ascot, a black fur toque, and her beloved rhinestone chandelier earrings. She even wears the two scars on her brow like Sith-shaped jewels, and she is beautiful. But she is not pretty. She draws her power from some old reservoir of human authority beyond the usual repertoires of romantic pain common to blues chanteuses. Thornton makes it clear. She is not unacquainted with human suffering, but she has no intention of letting it get the upper hand. Instead, she does what all blues greats do. She telegraphs endurance and force to whomever out there in TV land might need it at the moment. This is blues perfection. This is what this song was supposed to sound like before it became Janis Joplin's signature anthem to existential dread. Ball and Chain is irrevocably Southern in spirit. Um, And if you scroll down, um, I put some pictures of her. And the picture that's in color with the blue um, is from that performance. Um, And, like, you should definitely watch that performance because the way she carries herself just it like she just exudes power Mm. um and this outfit is so incredible and reminds me so much of harry and his style because she's like combining different like um elements in like a way that's kind of uncommon Mm -hmm. um because she's wearing um a full suit it's like a full pinstripe blue suit um and a tie which is very like traditional classic you know masculine way of dressing um and then she's wearing these like diamond pendant earrings they look so pretty they're so pretty but they're very like classically like feminine accessory and i feel like that's kind of similar to a lot of um the way that harry does his style expression Mm -hmm. um like i'm thinking of like the met gala when he had like those like that pearl earring um totally you know, and he, like, has this way of mixing, like, masculine and feminine fashion, but not mm-hmm. in, like, uh, kind of the hip way that, like, most people would think of it. Um, and I feel like Big Mama Thornton did the same thing. Um, yeah. Like, with her style. Um, so I just, like, found that interesting. And I feel like, yeah, it's just, it would be interesting to, like, find where 
Harry kind of has gotten a lot of his style inspiration. Um, I know he's mm-hmm. talked a little bit about about that, but I think there's a lot kind of we don't know. Um, yeah. And I imagine tracing and, like, back where, the lines. Where the people he's inspired by got their mm-hmm. inspiration. Especially like yeah. Harry Lambert. Like he's going to be a fashion expert. Like who does he look yes. to? Which then Harry gets right. advice about, you know. Yeah, and you can imagine if you trace back the lines of inspiration, you could end up at someone like Big Mama Thornton. Totally. Um, but of course, she's not going to get any credit for it. <laughs> right. Um, do you want to read this bit? Sure. When Big Mama sings that love can be like cold metal clamped onto a human heart, she raises both fists before her cheekbones. Those estimable, is that how you say it? Estimable? I think so fists warding off trouble she was known in the business as that difficult black woman who could and would familiarize your head with a heavyweight's right hook if she thought you were holding on to her money too long after a performance what harm could ever befall a woman as strong as big mama you can almost believe it that old pernicious 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 American. I feel like I'm like a kid in school. I know. Sorry, I gave you a hard uh, one. Pernicious American myth that a black woman like her or Margaret Mitchell's Mammy or Faulkner's Dilsey or Hollywood's black babysitter in the racist little Audrey cartoons is so innately strong that nobody much needs to look in on her from time to time and see to see and see to it that she's she is treated right big mama's life puts the lie to that myth i'm sorry that was a poor reading that's okay <laughs> very poor reading i didn't realize i was giving you such a complicated thing and also like caitlin hasn't read this before so yeah it's hard to read today something for, the first for time. my um <laughs> med school zoom thing for the white coat ceremony i don't know if uh-huh. i said this on air before or not but we had to do this zoom thing where we had to read um the Hippocratic Oath, which is like oh. some oath about being a doctor. And I had never read it. Like stupidly, I didn't prepare and like read uh-huh. it. And I had to read it and they were recording it. And I like, st- like some of the oh. words I, I've never seen because it's an old oath. I was like, yeah. man, I don't know if I pronounce those right, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to put all of our voices together for like the ceremony. So hopefully right. I'll be drowned out if I stumbled. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm <laughs> I messed that one up. No, that's okay. I think it was fine. Okay. Um but yeah, there is kind of like a myth and a stereotype of like a you know, oh, because she's a strong black woman, like no one needs to like take care of her, like make sure that she's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but she obviously had like a really hard a really hard life. Um mm-hmm. a lot of it due to to racism. Yeah. Um so this last part uh, from the article, um In the American Music Syndicate, uh, Greg McGregor, who is a music critic, wrote, Racism was a cruelly destructive acid that sucked the oxygen out of black music, making black artists mistrust their own work and settle for stereotypes, foreshortening any room for growth. Though white rock was burgeoning into lucrative empires, black music was experiencing collateral damage as the originators, like Big Mama Thornton, uh, gigged from town to town, festival to festival. Um, so he was talking about a performance he had just seen of hers that he um, wasn't happy with. Um, and he said, take Big Mama Thornton. If she had anything like the opportunities or skillful management, which inferior white artists get, she would never make the obvious mistakes she committed the other night. 
She would have had a band of her own for a start, and there would be half a dozen shrewd heads watching her performance, analyzing and criticizing it, polishing it, until she achieves the expertise she needs. She probably won't make that crucial breakthrough and will remain just another black singer whose music is ripped off by white imitators who have the necessary money and time and, to be fair, the taste to realize the music they borrow is better than their own. Um, so I just thought that was a really good <laughs> yeah. take. Um, Definitely. And you know dig at people as well Mm -hmm. um but it's so true like like you don't realize the things that go into making someone successful it's not just their talent like someone like elvis didn't get famous just because he had talent he also had resources and he was also white yeah um someone like big mama thornton like like how you hear oh no you go you go i was gonna say like nowadays too like to get a single on the radio it costs so much money, like hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars for you get a, to get a single on the radio like or to become popular on radio. Like it's not just right. a good song or talent. It's like you need a company that's willing to put hundreds of thousands of dollars to get radios to play your song. Yeah. Like it's not just who has a good voice or who's talented. Right. Yeah. And that's why, um, you know, people taking these songs, like someone like Elvis taking these songs is so messed up because it's like, if if someone like Big Mama Thornton had the resources, she could have taken that song. And, you know, people weren't racist. She could have mm-hmm. taken that song and achieved um, the same levels of fame as Elvis. Right. But because she couldn't, he saw it and took the song and made it his own, you know? Instead of seeing it and being like, holy cow, this is, a, like, an amazing song and, like, you're an amazing singer and, like, tried to help her, mm-hmm. like, work with her. He just, like, took it to, right. to like, make it his own. Um, whereas the only reason that she couldn't make it with that song is because of racism and because she didn't have the same resources. Um, yeah. So, um, in our doc, there's a few pictures of her and you can just see like the style, like this first one. Um, and just like, you know, she's existing, making music in like the fifties and sixties, um, and just like wearing full suits. Um, yeah. And like this outfit, I guess you can't see the full one, but there's one where she has a plaid shirt on and a plaid bucket hat and then like a long skirt. Um, That's so cool. I just think her style is really cool. And like, you know, I'm sure at the time it was very uh, like not common. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I've linked a couple of songs. One is um, Ball and Chain. um, And this was the one that was mentioned in the article um, where they talk about this this blue outfit. Uh, which you should definitely watch because it's just very, very powerful. Um, and then I also included um, one of her versions of Hound Dog. And she does this incredible thing where um, she, like, comes out onto stage and she starts singing from the back before she's even, like, at the mic. Um, and she walks in with a handbag and she, like, singing and she, like, sets her handbag down and then, like, walks <laughs> to the mic. <laughs> That's so powerful. She's just, like, very, very powerful. And it just, like, really makes me so sad and angry that um she like didn't get the recognition she deserved and like died with no money um it just really really pisses me off and it sucks because it's like we're talking about her now and like remembering her now and I feel like this happens so often and it's like what about when she was alive right exactly (laughs) um and then one last thing I wanted to talk about is um one of my favorite songs of hers is a song called just because it has really cool queer history so there's a song called um, Sweet Little Angel that she has, and it's, like, one of my favorites by hers. And I just, like, heard it on Spotify. Like, I, like, listened to her album on Spotify and, like, 
you know, this was a while ago. And I just love this song, Sweet Little Angel. And I like listened to this song and I just immediately was like, mm, there's no way this song is about a man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in the song, she sings with he, but the lyrics are, um, I've got a sweet little angel and I love the way he spreads his wings. Um, <laughs> but if you listen to her sing this song, like, especially if you're queer, if you just like, just listen to the way she sings those lyrics, you're just like, mm, like, no, this, this, this song isn't about a man. Um, yes. When she spreads, see the lyrics too on, on genius actually say she, which is interesting. Oh, um, even though when she sings it, like on the versions you can find it's he, mm-hmm. um, but the, yeah, these lyrics are, yes, when she spreads her wings around me, you know, I get got joy in everything. Um, I asked my baby for a nickel and she gave me a $20 bill. Um, I asked her for a little drink of liquor. My baby gave me a whiskey still. Um, so I kind of like had listened to this song and thought like, oh, this is probably like a secretly queer song that she sang. Mm-hmm. She recorded it in 1965, but I wanted to um, kind of look into it before I talked about her here. Um, and so I actually found out some really interesting stuff that, um, this song was originally a song that was, um, put out by, um, an artist called, uh, Lucille Bogan, um, in 1930. Um, Mm. and it was originally called Black Angel Blues. Um, but it was, it was the same song. Like there were some lyrics that were different, um, but it was the same song. So Lucille Bogan put it out in 1930 and it was called Black Angel Blues, And then um, a bunch of people recorded it over the next several decades. Um, And it got famous when B.B. King recorded it in 1956. And he's the one who changed it to Sweet Little Angel. Um, Mm. Because I think back then, like, the word black was, like, not a word that people wanted to use. Right. Um, So he changed it to Sweet Little Angel in 1956. And then Big Mama Thornton recorded it in 1965. Um, But I was like, okay, okay. who is like Lucille Bogan. Um, and it turns out Lucille Bogan was a total lesbian. In 1930. There you go. There you have it. it all um, sense. Yeah. And she's also known as um, her like stage name um, is Bessie Jackson. So you might know her by that. Um, but this is from the article that I linked earlier um, about Bull Dykes and Lady Lovers, the rumors about lesbian blues singers were all true. Um, this is about her. So <clears throat> um, these are lyrics to a song she wrote. Come in a time, BD women, they ain't going to need no men. Sang Lucille Bogan in 1935. BD was short for bull dagger, the black slam, the black slang term for a butch lesbian. BD women, you sure can't understand. They got a head like a sweet angel and they just and they walk just like a natural man. Um, having debuted the, in the body black vaudeville scene of 1920s New York, Bogan was comfortable making people uncomfortable. As a blues singer, she was about as blunt as they come. She wrote songs about her experiences as a sex worker, her encounters with violent men, her drinking, drinking dis- dependency, and in BD Women Blues, her sexual affinity for women. Um, and also she wrote most of her own songs. Um, this song in particular, there's no, the, un- the writer is unknown. Um, but it, but knowing that Lucille Bogan wrote most of her own songs, I am assuming mm-hmm. she wrote this song too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought that was like so cool and so fascinating. That is so cool. <laughs> I had no idea there were so many queer women from I such know. early on in the 1900s that I were know. like 
fucking being queer and singing yeah. queer stuff. Like, yeah. that's so cool. I know. In 1930, Lucille Bogan is singing about beady women. Like, <laughs> I, I thought back then you couldn't be out at all. Like, I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> Well, I think I think a lot of people couldn't, but I think these these black, you know, these female black like blues singers were powerful. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. And it's also just funny, like when you're like a queer person and like you know, you pick up something and you're like, hmm, like, I don't know. (laughs) I got my queer tingles are tingling. Yeah. And then like following a line like this, it's like, oh, wow. Like, yes, that totally makes sense because this song was originally recorded and probably written by like you know basically an out um queer woman yeah. also um lucille bogan has a song <laughs> has had a song out called shave em dry which if you want to see some obscene lyrics you should definitely <laughs> check that one out um <laughs> because like it's kind of funny like reading something that like this came out in the 20s mm-hmm. um and i'll just read the first the first verse uh but beware, it's explicit. Um, <laughs> I got nipples on my titties, big as the end of my thumb. <laughs> oh, damn. I got... <laughs> <laughs> so that was a song she wrote in the 20s. Um, That's amazing. It's so weird to think of people, like, at any other time being, like, really sexual. <laughs> I know! <laughs> like, back in the olden days. Like, well, yeah. Wait a second. You guys were really open sexually. I guess yeah. they weren't really open, but like it's just weird to connect sexuality with like the 1920s. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and she also uses the the f word in that song like to mean sex. Um, <laughs> Titties too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, pretty great history stuff. Um, listen to Sweet Little Angel. Uh, Big Mama Thornton's version Um, and also listen to Lucille Bogan because uh, yeah it's just pretty incredible Um, so yeah that's that um, on Big Mama Thornton Um, we will so we post the doc to our or the link to our doc um, Google Docs on our Patreon so if you're on our Patreon you can just go look at everything there Um, but when I post this episode I'm going to try to post under um, on Twitter I'll try to post in the comments like some of the links to these things so that everyone can go look at them, um, especially like the videos, because um, I just think that um, they're really great and, you know, you I think people would enjoy watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll try and do that. Um, again, I didn't come prepared with a recommendation. Do you have one, Kaylin? Well, I just want to say thank you for um, that lesson. That was really interesting. I loved all the oh, fashion yeah. stuff and the queer yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so thank you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do have a recommendation today. Um, they're sort of pre-recommendations. <laughs> Two <Okay>. albums <laughs> have come out as today is Friday as we're recording. Um, oh, yeah. and I've listened to Ellie Goulding's new album, Brightest Blue, but like I wasn't really paying attention. Mm. Um, but it's this cool double album thing where she has like 13 songs on the actual album and then it starts counting over from one again and it's sort of like five songs that are more like her poppy songs and a lot of them are collabs so there's 13 songs that are really like the succinct album that she wanted to put out and then she has some that like sort of fit more radio stuff Mm -hmm. um and some of them have come out before so yeah I'm excited about that and she's talked about it um if you look at 
Apple Music, like she wrote about each of the songs. So I always love mm. hearing an artist's take on their own music. Yeah. Um, and then additionally, the Dixie are the now they're called the Chicks. Yes. Um, formerly known as the Dixie Chicks, um, have put out their album Gaslighter, and it is wait, it's songs. out. Yeah, it came out today. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I've like been obsessed with every single so far. I know. I've been listening to like the three songs they have had out, like on repeat. So uh-huh. I'm so excited to listen to the full album. Twelve songs, forty seven minutes, great length. Um, so yeah, go listen to that. Um Yeah. V- very cool. Um, I don't know what to recommend because I've been in I've been deep in like dog world. Um, so like all the content I've absorbed lately has just been dog training stuff. <laughs> like I know you guys don't care about that. Um, and then like the show I've been watching is like a bad show. Uh it's actually called The Heart of Dixie. <laughs> oh. It's like uh um Rachel Bilson and she's a doctor in a small town. It's like a show that aired I think it aired in like two thousand or something mm. um i've just been watching it because i like i don't know i like comfort shows i like a yeah. show that i can just like watch and it's just like the same characters and they're in a small town and they're just doing stuff yeah um but i don't know that i'd recommend it um <laughs> <laughs> so my i'm just gonna second caitlin re- caitlin's recommendation for the chicks album because i am very excited to listen to that yeah um, we'd love to hear what you thought about the show today and your opinions on anything we discussed. Um, please feel free to send us news stories or anything One Direction related you'd like to hear us talk about. Um, thank you for listening to episode 231 of Talk Direction. You can find us on Twitter at talk underscore direction. Email us at talkdirection at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at talkdirection or you can follow us individually. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Lucia O, spelled L-U-C-C-I-A-O-H. And Caitlin, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Caitlin I-R Foster. And Caitlin is spelled C-A-I-T-L-I-N. Make sure to check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash talkdirection, where um, today on Talk Direction Down Low, we're going to be talking about this leaked track list, potentially fake track list um and just our thoughts on those songs um and you can subscribe to this podcast on itunes leave us a review if you want uh listen on soundcloud if that's your thing i'm lucia and i'm caitlin thank you for listening we'll see you next time for episode 232 bye bye